this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. Jay, it is Patreon poll time. Let's do it. Our April poll producing our May review. It is a, well, here's the interesting thing, Jay. We often compare comments versus votes. There were a lot of comments on this yeah. for this one yeah. and a lot of votes, but most of the votes <laughs> went to one band that I did not expect to go to. And the comments did not reflect that. So... Something else know, that, was, that was odd about – this was an odd one. Um, so this is the second time we've had the Polaris music for the, from the adventures of Pete and Pete and the second time Clouds, Sentry. Um, so Penny Sentry. Penny Sentry uh, nominated. So they, they've both been nominated in the past and they've come back at the same time. This is also the second Ween, re- second Ween record and the second Buck Pets record. That that have been nominated. Um, so when I was putting this poll together, I was like, my my records wrong here. Like I'm going through the database, like making sure that I didn't screw something up. I was like, I remember these records appearing before. What and is it possible we've got two buck pets? You know, and I, everything checked out. Um, but yeah, it was it was an odd mix of uh, sort of albums we had seen before, and then some new stuff and. You sent it over to Quality Assurance, and they made sure everything was on the up and up. I checked it out, mm. but this is not. I probably would have guessed Ween, um, or maybe Amy Mann, just based on popularity. Right. But. So these were the review, or these were the um, albums submitted for review on our website, digmeoutpodcast.com. You can go there, suggest an album. It ends up in one of our polls. You don't have to be a patron. You don't have to. Uh, be a part of the community, although we encourage you to join us there. You can Anybody can submit. So these were the picks that we had gotten for this particular poll. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them in reverse order of, of votes. So with one vote, it was Kruder and Dorfmeister DJ Kicks with tied for three votes was Amy Mann's I'm With Stupid and the Buck Pets Mercurotones Tied with four boats was Polaris, music from the adventures of Pete and Pete, and Men Without Hats, Sideways. That was a that was an outside pick that I was not expecting. Yeah. I believe Mr. Eric Peterson uh, submitted that one. And then with five votes, it was Cloud's Penny Century, the one that you mentioned earlier. Seven votes, Ween's Chocolate and Cheese. And then the overwhelming majority of votes went to Speed, Sorry, Speed went to Seaweed and their album Spanaway. Fourteen votes, vast majority, vast majority. Did you did you uh, read that as Speedway? Yeah, Speedway. <laughs> That's funny because when I was looking at one of the comments, um, Jen Seaman put 
the words ween and zillion within a couple words of each other. And when I glanced at it, I saw Weezer. <laughs> I was like, Weezer? We didn't get a Weezer record. I was like, oh, ween and zillion. Like, my brain just po- processed that as a Weezer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can see what, yeah. So this is the second seaweed record that we will be checking out, Jay. The first one we did yeah. tw- 10 years ago, season wow. one, episode 20. <laughs> You're kidding. That was 10 years ago? Now, here's the funny part about So I went back and I listened to that episode today. Um, you threatened me. Really? With a figure four uh, head, uh, headlock. Because we had a disagreement about this. About I remember we. I remember um, it being contentious. Yeah. So it was Seaweed's album four, which is actually the album that came out before this. It was yeah. their last released on Sub Pop, and Spanaway was released on Hollywood Records. It's their only major label release. We had a, a, a pretty uh, polite disagreement about most of the record, and. There were some interesting comparisons. I need to, there's a, I need to like Mia Culpa. I was calling them hardcore and you were like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) And you were right because my, over the last 10 years, I've, I've learned my vocabulary has expanded. Okay. And now I actually understand what the difference is between hardcore and punk Mm. and post hardcore and post punk. And all those things. I had very vague ideas, but, you know, I'm a studious person. I watch documentaries. I read books over these past 10 years. And they've helped me really understand the delineation between those lines. <laughs> What's interesting is that we got to the end of the episode. And yeah. I said, you know, I think I we didn't do Worthy Album, Better EP, Decent Single at that time. Yeah. So I said, you know... I didn't hate the record, but I'd be interested in checking them out. Maybe in the next five to 10 years, we'll, we'll do another record. <laughs> no, you did. I did. Literally. It's in the episode. You need to play that clip. You need to snip that in here. I, I'll snip that in right here. That's also, amazing. when you threaten me with violence, I'll also uh, snip that in here as well. Uh, no, like I said, I'm curious to hear what they did with Indino and what the new album is going to sound like. We're not going to review the new album, obviously, but we probably will in, uh, you know, sometime in the next five to ten years get to the other Seaweed albums. And um, maybe my opinion will have changed by then. There are songs where I don't think the guitars ever play anything different than each other. Oh, you're insane. No way. You sure you're listening to the right album? I'm, I'm sure I'm listening to the right album. If you were here, I'd have to put you in a figure four late lock. This is going to be an interesting episode because not only are we going to be able to revisit this band and you know talk about this record, but we'll also be able to compare back-to-back records and our thoughts on those two records and see how the the band evolved. Because uh, the okay, so I want to start out with on Vice, the website Vice has an article with lead singer um, Aaron Stoffer. And I did the history of the band in that episode. So on, on Noisy, which was their uh, music portion of Vice, he ranked their albums. Okay. Because, you know, they do that a lot, or they used to do that a lot with artists. They'd have them come on and, and do a ranking of, their, of the band's uh, albums. So he listed his favorite 
album as Spanaway and his second favorite album as Four. But when you like Google reviews of this record and you go to say Amazon.com and read the comments or you go to rate your music, rate my music or something like that. The general consensus is the early years of the band were the best years. And by the time they get to Spanaway, this was the sellout major label record. We can debate that as we get into okay. it. So there's, let's just say there's a varying amount of uh, feedback <laughs> on whether this is their best or their worst record. I have to say, I, I generally despise the sellout record argument. Oh, well, yeah. And, and mind you, those comments were made 10 to 15 years ago and sometimes you know even longer yeah. so the the idea of a sellout seems almost ridiculous <laughs> right <laughs> especially in rock it's like well sell out what, what, what are they selling to nobody's right. buying exactly <laughs> there's no selling because there's no buying right e- exactly let's get into the comment let's we some of the comments from our patreon community on this poll jeremy men said i want to vote for polaris because pete and pete was ahead of its time however i've been dying to hear you review span away or actions and indications for some time now jason pan uh he he actually submitted or no no he didn't um darren leach submitted clouds but um he went up he put it up previously, so he voted for that one, but he did uh, like the Amy Mann record, and that was his second choice. Steven Musinski was a favor of the Buck Pets record, but he also likes Seaweed, and he said there was a healthy debate between us, so he would like to see a rematch. This is like a <laughs> this is like when you know Hulk and and uh, yeah. and and Randy Macho Man would go at it, yep. and then there'd be a rematch the following uh, month. So. It took us 10 years to for this rematch to happen. Uh, Scott, uh, is that Hallgram? Maybe that is. He said, uh, or maybe that's Wit. I don't know. Nope, that's Scott Hallgram. It's, Hallgram. Hallgram. it's yeah. Hallgram says, uh, I love Seaweed, but you've already done one of theirs and disliked it, which is not true. You liked it, Jay. I was one who disliked it. I know. Uh, kind of want to vote for Ween. He voted for Polaris. And Jeremy uh, Men said, but Tim and Jay have grown so much since the first year. That's true, Jeremy, we have. I was sitting around 190 when we started, and I'm easily in the 220 range right now. So that's what happens when you just sit at home and bake all day. Um, and I had to correct Jeremy that. Yeah, it's he, true. I did not. I, I like seaweed, so I don't know what. I don't want to be mixed up with you. And you're not an inability to understand hardcore and punk. And then it's got me to crack about Men Hats, which Eric. Uh, corrected them john seaman said um torn because he had seen william as, as or well he had seen ween a zillion times um he he said he voted for both ween and spanaway is that possible jake can you vote for Shh. my Shut god lips. my god uh, eric peterson went with mine with out hats because he suggested it scott witt said uh this ween album was when i got on board with them however always had a soft spot for seaweed i guess a lot of people did mention seaweed as like yeah well i like this record but seaweed yeah no i get a lot of comments but he said but i have to go with men without hats because i never heard of this album and always liked colin showing up on scrubs 
I didn't know that Colin showed up on Scrubs. I didn't watch Scrubs. Uh, Patrick Testa, that's funny. I It works if you were joking about confusing... What did he say? Confusing at work with without hats. But it also works if you weren't joking and weren't confusing the two bands because there's a Colin in both. Oh, okay, I get it. Man at work. Got it. Sean Brown had to go with Ween on this one. I'd be fired up if... Banaway takes it, but I figured if you guys were lukewarm on four, again, Jay was not lukewarm. Jay liked it. He had production issues, but he liked the the album. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Testa said, ween, 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 ween. Gary Moran, toss up between Polaris and Seaweed. I think I like Polaris a little more. Darren Svedson, ween is long overdue on the Dig Me Out podcast. I agree. And I wouldn't be opposed to reviewing a Ween record because clearly they're an important part of the 90s, but they just keep losing the polls. <laughs> so like, We're not know. opposed. They just this keep is, losing. This is just, just a situation where they, they're not campaigning hard enough. So we need Dean Ween and Gene Ween to come on and, and <laughs> do some campaigning. Uh, I, 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 I am genuinely shocked. I thought for sure both times that when they came up that they were definitely going to win. Oh, yeah. I, I mean... I'll finish the comments here, but Darren Lehman said, I had an older friend in high school let me speed Spanaway to listen to it. I loved it since I was 15. Always loved the fact they dug them and hardly anyone knew who they were. I'm excited this album is getting some love. And then Whitney Buehler said, Amy Mann's I'm With Stupid is my choice. I would like the guitars in this album. Sounds great. And he had a benefit of John Bryan being one of the songwriting partners. Yeah. It's all of his record in the sense of it. So when I looked at this poll, I was like, it's going to come down to Ween and Amy Mann. Yeah. And it wasn't, wasn't close. Wasn't close. Though to combine those two didn't have as many votes yep. as seaweed. So shows uh, I should never be a pro- uh, pro- prognosticator for a political uh, or, a or a procrastinator. No, I'm a good procrastinator. I'm not a prognosticator. Gotcha. <sighs> okay, Jay. Let me take a drink of water here because uh, now we got to do some talking about. This record came out in 1995, like I mentioned, Hollywood Records. It was the last record with the all-original lineup of John Atkins on bass, Wade Neal on guitar and vocals, Bob Bulgrian on drums, Aaron Stauffer on vocals, and Clint Werner on guitar. It was produced by Adam Casper with the band, and was mixed by Andy Wallace, the well-known producer mixer engineer worked on you know nirvana white white zombie uh slayer sonic youth helmet i mean just a huge resume here's interesting things i did not know uh, when i was listening to this so there is extra vocals uh from kim warnick who was in the fastbacks and ken stringfellow they sing some, I guess, parts of this record. Oh. It seems like Ken, Ken Stringfellow does a lot of guest backup vocals. He's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of everywhere. Like if Look you up need his credits, you need a guest vocal. Ken Stringfellow, and it's in Seattle in the 1990s. Ken Stringfellow is going to be there. Um, and then John Auer from the Posies adds some extra percussion to the record. Oh. So apparently they were hanging with the Posies. Here's the two things that I found really interesting. On the song Start With, which is the third track on the record, Barrett Martin plays drums, not Bob Bulgrian. Barrett, huh. Mar- Barrett Martin, of course, from Screaming Trees. 
And then on the song Magic Mountain Man, yeah. drums are by Matt Cameron. Really? Yep. Huh. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Well, after this record, the, the drummer would leave. Gotcha. So maybe that had something to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe because two of the songs he was not playing on the record. That'll do it. It was recorded at Bad Animals Studio, Avast, and Robert Lang Studios. And that's all the relevant uh, additional information that we need going into this. I think that sets the plate that we are about to eat from. Okay, that got weird. <laughs> that got weird. If I can make it weird so fast. Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Spanaway by Seaweed. I think you should go first. Oh. Based on based on how much you crapped on this band last time. First of all, I didn't crap on this band. I'm a I'm a professional. I have I have standards. What the hell does that mean? I I don't just simply walk out and say this band is poo. I come right. up with some reasons why I didn't care for it. Here's the things. Let me go through. I actually took notes on I, I took detailed notes on every song because I knew that because we were coming back to this record or to, to this band and that the first one was our actual first heavy disagreement that like I need to come, I need to come with my, my ammo I need my bump stock. So here we go. Um, it's interesting to me that the two best songs on the album are both with drummers that are not in the band. Oh, that's where you're going. Okay. Start with track three. I, I think Dynamically is the most interesting song. It's clearly the one they wanted to be a single. They add a tambourine, which is a clear sing, uh, indication <laughs> of them wanting it to be a pop single. Yeah. Even though it's not a, really a pop song, but it, it's slowed down compared to the the more aggressive post-punk, emo, whatever you want to call sounds of this record. And then Magic Mountain is the slower, like, halftime. It's got a really cool bass line, although it's kind of buried in the mix. It, I, I did not love... I, on the previous record, that you could not hear the bass. And on this record, it's a little bit better, but it's still kind of buried in comparison to the how loud the guitars are. But that when I heard that, I go, this is... Before I realized it was Matt Cameron, I was like, this is cool. It's radically different than what they were doing on the rest of the record. Yeah. And that, to me, is where the band sounds unique and interesting is when, like, the last song, not sorry, not the last song, the second to last song, Lost, uh, Last Humans, last human. where they actually yeah. use some guitar effects, and yeah. there's a really cool hook on that song, there's a, there's a really interesting riff. When they actually 
apply some uh, some change, some change ups. You know, this band is really good at just pounding on four chords and being loud and, and Aaron Stoffer belting it out. Usually it's better when he's belted out and doubled because it gives his, his voice some real oomph. Uh, that's fine. And that is, it sounds better than what four sounded to me, which was a very loud mix and everything was at the same level. And this has a little bit better of a mix and I'm, I'm attributing that to, to Andy Wallace, but the same, um, problems that I had with some of the songwriting are still there, but I think that they changed it up enough that there are, are a number of good songs. Like I mentioned with start with magic mountain man, last humans, I like defender. I think that that song has some nice dynamics in it. So I think there was some, I think the the thing that I like about this record is the growth. I don't think this is a sellout record. I think that's a stupid comment by anybody who says it. There's a growth in their songwriting that they were taking sort of like East Coast emo post-hardcore like Fugazi and combining that with Seattle grunge is what the last record sounded to me. And this record is still doing that, but with a little bit more personality than that last record had. What worked for you? I think this, I think this record sounds fantastic. Now, it is very, um, it does have a '90s vibe to it. Uh, I think, you know, you could you could pin this to the '90s if you heard it now. Um, if you are a fan of rock music, I think you'd probably guess. But I think in a good way. Like it feels big, loud, aggressive. It's not overly compressed, but it's very upfront. You know, the guitars are really high in the mix and just blistering. Um, but they don't crush the drums. And uh, I think the um, overall, like, it's got this big production sound. Um, it's still got tons of energy, though. So it's it's not the cost of you know, being overly controlled, um, the tempos feel right. Uh, the vocals, I think, again, I'm a big fan of, um, his voice and I think it works really well on this record. I think he's got an opportunity to do some different, uh, show some different sides of himself, like assistant to the manager. It kind of has more of like, a Andrew Wood kind of vibe to it. It's a little bit more restrained, and the phrasing's a little bit different than what he would typically do.
Um, you still got the high energy choruses where he does the doubling, um, which is kind of signature. Like the the way he does that is is pretty um, identifiable to them. Um, I think the guitars are fantastic. Tons of cool parts. Um, they do a really good job of you know playing off of you know two guitar parts, sometimes three guitar parts, but then also syncing up and just having this monstrous you know double guitar sound. I think the drums overall, like performance wise, are I think are really solid on this record. I'm with you. The ones that really stand out are Magic Mountain Man and uh, start with. I think Free Drug Zone is pretty awesome from a drum standpoint. Boy, Magic Mountain Man, I, I think that's that is maybe their best song. It's got a really cool. It, it, I guess it gets more into a sunny day real estate feel for me. Yes. Um, it's a little different for them, but it's a very aggressive take on Sunday mm-hmm. real estate. But man, those drums sound like Bonham. I mean, he is just, that kick drum is just pounding. It's just so good. Um, it's such a great feel. It's a great production. It's got a really cool, just, just dynamic to it where it's, it's got this cool groove where you've got this all, you know, this, the, the drums uh, and the bass are in this more of a, a groove feel, but then the guitars are, you know, totally counteracting that. Um, and you get this really cool push and pull, and but it doesn't lose that edge that I, I like so much about this band. So yeah, I mean, there's I like a lot about this record. Um, I probably like this better than Four, and I and I hadn't spent any time with it, which is funny. I, you know, I I got Four can't remember i probably have to go back and listen to the episode maybe in a ucd thing at some point and hadn't really spent much time with the rest of the catalog even though i like that record and uh i i think i like this record even more than four so yeah a lot of here to like i i can hear you know sunny day i can hear um knapsack but like yep. a aggressive knapsack i can hear um even bands that came after them like bronx which I like a lot when they go into more of their, their punky post hardcore roots. You can kind of hear that band come through a lot here. I just, again, really, I really just dig the sound of this. Um, especially when it kicks in from free drug zone, like that first song, it's just sounds huge. Well, you know, I, I messaged you before the show with a screenshot from the, is this emo website? And it said seaweed is an emo band. And I hadn't really, yeah. I hadn't even processed that from when we did four, yeah. but when I started listening to this, I was definitely like you mentioned Sunny Day Real Estate, and I was definitely picking up vibes, not as an influence, but just as contemporaries in terms of, you know, the Promise Ring and early Jimmy Eat World and Braid, and not in the really aggressive end of this band, but in in when they get a little bit when they get away from the post punk heavier faster and they dial it down just a little bit that's where i was getting those vibes from and i do like you mentioned about sunny day there is definitely a edgier sunny day vibe coming out of magic mountain man and i wonder if you know it's interesting if you think about the time frame from when this record came out this comes out in 95 which is in between super unknown and down on the upside for soundgarden so it's not like matt cameron was just hanging around with nothing to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, they toured Super I, Unknown yeah. pretty heavy. I think he likes to work. I think so, too. I think he likes playing drums, that guy. Yeah, yeah. What do you know? <laughs> but 
But I think that it was clear that that song needed a, a, a drummer of that type. I don't know that that drummer that they had at the time, and he was replaced on the next record by Alan Cage of Quicksand. Okay. So clearly they were looking to to get away from sort of the more, I think, simplistic. I mean, you might find what he's doing interesting in terms of, but not compared to what Matt Cameron can do. Yeah, I mean, especially in that type of song um, where it's a little slower and you got to keep, but, but it rocks, so you got to keep it pushing. And you also have to find opportunities to do, to fill space. You know, and I think there's a lot of cool, subtle little fills and dynamics that happen in that drum performance that you have to be really skilled to pull off. Otherwise, it just sounds plotting and boring. Um, right. And you're just like, okay, get this over with. Um, but I think Matt Cameron is obviously pretty skilled at delivering that type of type of performance, too. So, uh, yeah, I can hear that. And, and, and in general, I think, you know, I don't remember if I said this on 4 or not. You know, the, the drummer can get into some punk trappings, you know, typical yeah. punk type beats here and there, um, which I think um, I could see, you know, why that type of approach wouldn't have worked on this song. So the issues that I had with the first record, there was some carryover with this. And I think it comes from the fact that while the songs I mentioned, I think, you know, have are definitely an improvement. I don't feel like the other stuff elevates to the same level in terms of there might be an interesting guitar riff for part of the song, but I feel like a lot of time everything is locked in to one particular huh. riff or vibe and and the vocal doesn't deliver a big enough anthem in the chorus for me to lock on, lock onto it and say, oh, that's a good chorus. If a lot of it's just, it's kind of pedestrian in terms of this could be a, a one of 50 bands. Yeah, that, I find that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are, 10 years later. I, 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 um, I, just I think don't... his voice is so good. Like, I, I think if he went any more melodic, then it would it would not be right for this music. I, I like he's right pop. on the edge. I just need there to be something resembling a memorable hook, like a vocal line. And I feel like in a lot of cases, the verses have a more interesting vocal than the choruses. Like you mentioned, free drug zone. I felt like the verse was more interesting, and the same thing with the with crush us all. Whereas, like in Crush All, they do that very typical thing of like it's it's up tempo, up tempo, then they go to the halftime chorus, and you know what it, it reminded me of, or or our band compared to would be like Hot Rod Circuit. His vocal is not that far off from the guy from Hot Rod Circuit in my mind. Hmm. I think his voice is way like gruffer and like richer, but mm. okay. But I feel like he doesn't like I can remember a lot more hot rod circuit hooks. Yeah. I mean, they're not as hooky, but I guess I hear you. I mean, I think the course in free drug zone is great. Mm. Like it's super, it sounds like bad religion. You, well, but I'm not a huge bad religion fan, but they got really hooky choruses. I mean, I think most people know that. <laughs> 
I mean, most people in the 90s music. I find his voice um, and, and just overall vocal, you know, phrasing and melodies to be pretty distinctive and, and hooky. Now, I mean, yes, they're not relatively as hooky. I mean, a lot of stuff is not going to be on like pop radio, but for this no. type of music that's so aggressive, I, I think I, I just view it on that. I, I enjoy it from that perspective of like, this is like a full to me, full adrenaline performance and tons of attitude vocal, but you're still getting enough melody where it, you know, it still distinguishes itself. But I, I guess we'll agree to disagree. Agree, again. agree to disagree. <laughs> I just, there was a lot of sameness I felt in where he was singing, like his, I don't know what key it is. It seems to be similar across a lot of songs. He seems to be sitting, hitting the same range, same delivery across multiple songs. And there are a couple songs like Assistant to the Manager where he's like, yeah. those vocals are, are really difficult for me to listen to. Like they almost sound out of tune on that song. Huh. And not in a good way. Not in a good Neil Young way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Huh. I like the vocals in that. Mm. Mm. Okay. So anybody who was thinking that we were going to be matured and have <laughs> new takes, unexpected takes, guess what? We're right back where we were. Tim Tim doesn't like it, and Jay is confounded by Tim's. Well, I mean, I, I will say that, to be fair, you know, when I hear this band, I'm like, ooh, I like this. Like, this hits a sweet spot for me. And I... Honestly, I hear this more as just a hard rock band, to be honest. Like, yes, I can hear all the origins of this and that, um, emo and hardcore and punk and whatever. Yeah. But I think the way they put it together, to me, it just sounds like a distinct, um, but largely just hard rock band. Um, Your comment so I, on 4 was, it sounds like the early Afghan wigs went into the studio and recorded an album with Testament's gear. <laughs> That was because the production was bad. Are they, you know, the they had a very metallic sound, right? Um, so but I will to, to my point though was that you know, I don't listen to this band as much as I that I should, I guess. So, whatever that means, um, when I hear them, I like them a lot. Um, I have a lot of I observe a lot of good things, but when it comes down to like my day in and day out listening, I don't go back to them as much as I probably you would think I would for how much I like it. Right. If that makes any sense at all. And I feel like in terms of my preferences, if I'm going to listen to a loud post-punk sort of what I mentioned, you know, Fugazi slash Tad uh, influenced band, that's going to 
I, I want a little bit more dynamics, which is why I'm going to be drawn to like a Jawbox or a Quicksand, something in those along those lines, rather than this to me. I can understand how this would be really great live, but to me, on record, it's it it feels like the the dynamic range is very limited, and the there are only like a couple of instances where they try something that makes me go, "Oh, that was cool." So, huh. I wonder if it's the because uh, I hear a lot of dynamics, but I w- I'm wondering if it's. You know, the, the guitars tend to be at one volume and they use a very like metallic compressed mm-hmm. tone. I'm wondering if that's both in terms of like for you, what makes it difficult to hear the dynamics, but then also for me to, I think, go back to this band because it's a very specific sound that like it's good in short bursts for me. I do find it fatiguing. Yeah, it's fatiguing. And even, uh, in his interview on Vice, Aaron Stoffer said that he thinks the album's too long. That he oh, would, okay. that he would cut tracks from it. How long is it? I can't see the count here on my side. Uh, it's thirteen tracks, but there's two like the last track is just uh, some noodling on a keyboard, yeah. Yeah. and then track ten, "Punchy the Crown," is. It's just sort of a noise track for a minute yeah. and a half or so. So it's only really 11 tracks. And I want to say it's it comes out to like, you know, 40 minutes. So it's a vinyl record. I mean, you you could have bought this on vinyl. It's it's on Discogs. Super expensive. It's like $80 to get it on uh, if you want to get a copy. Because they, they have never reissued it because it's Hollywood Records. Who's, I don't know what their status is. But he even complained in the interview that he, they can't get reissues even though people want to buy the record. Wasn't that uh, Queen's label? Yeah. Also, Czar. Oh, uh, that's right. Czar was on Hollywood. So, and they pay. Uh, they played uh, the first Warp Tour for this record. Just to okay. Say, just to tie it into our Warp Tour episode last year. That makes sense. Um. So, here's the deal. They've signed to a major label. They clearly wanted to go... They, they wanted to evolve a little bit. Start with was the single, which I mentioned having a tambourine, so clearly they wanted to make it a radio song, because you, if you added a tambourine to anything, you turned it into a radio song. Um, I still don't think like this is a radio band for 1995. I mean, this is like Jagged Little Pill era, Green Day... Like you have to, you'd have to put some serious hooks into the song, into these songs to get a radio single. I mean, you might get on 120 minutes with the single, and it did chart like the single charted for like a week um, on alternative radio. It did, it didn't make mainstream radio charts, just like al- alternative modern rock or whatever this that chart was in the 90s. Yeah. So, you know, the, the label was behind them for a minute. And they clearly got the right people involved with, you know, the players that they want need, needed on the record. And then also with the, you know, getting Andy Wallace involved and, but I just still don't hear it as a, as a radio band or album in any way. Do you? 
Um, no, not radio. It's too aggressive. Um, you know, I could hear more of a college, like underground kind of, um, commercial potential. You know, there's a, plenty of bands that had long careers that did fine without, you know, having a big radio hit. Um, you know, I could see them more in that space. Right. Um, if they could build a fan base and yeah, stick with warp tour for, for five or six years and really grind it out that way. But no, I mean, overall this, this band is too, too aggressive for, for at least what, um, at that point rock radio had become, um, in some ways I, I could have seen them as like more of an MTV band in the early nineties. Um, yeah. Like along with helmet or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like when you know you had 120 minutes, and you know MTV had enough of um, um, a, a rotation that could fit in, you know, stuff like this, and it could get a little momentum. So Jay, but those days were long gone by then. Oh yeah, we need to uh, we need to come to a conclusion on our second seaweed record. Were the album better EP or decent single? Uh, this is a worthy album. The only songs I don't like are the al- um, just the noise tracks, which there's two of them. There's a couple tunes like um, Common Mistake, um, Defender's Okay. Uh, not Saying Anything is a little bit of a mess. Um but uh, other than Saturday Nitrous isn't is pretty boring. Um, but other than that, you know, th- those are some some of the album tracks that aren't stellar. I think the rest of it is is really good. I like that they're uh, not selling out, but I view it as you know, kind of pushing themselves and trying some different things. You got some guest drummers on here. I I like the addition of like um, an undeniable hate. There's the cowbell and or woodblock or something and there's just enough little the, the tambourine. Um, there's enough little m- layers and mix um, things mixed in different instruments, different vocals that um, also make it a little bit, you know, distinct. So uh, I'm going to wear the album. I've already added it. So you know, in Apple Music, you can add it to your library. I've already added it to my library. Oh well, so look no, at you. I'm no longer just streaming this. This is now part of my music library. I've committed. Oh. This is how we commit now. <laughs> you've gone the you've gone the whole way, Jay. You fully committed. Uh, I'm at an EP. I would be start with Magic Mountain Man, Last Humans, Defender, maybe Free Drug Zone. I think that would be that'd be about it. You wouldn't put Start with on there. Yeah, I thought I said that was my first one. Oh, Start okay. with Magic Mountain Man, Last Humans, Defender, and Free Drug Zone. So five songs. I'd be at a five-song EP. Boo. We come all this way, and we ended up right back where we started. It's okay. It's I understand. Right. You don't You don't like rock music. I get it. Uh, I do. I like, <laughs> I like something that's a little bit more challenging. Oh, 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 oh you're going to go there. You know. All right, Brian Eno. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe if they had uh, 
It's very Rolling Stone of you, or Pitchfork. Who's the drummer for Dream Theater? Mark Mike Lombardo? Which one? Oh. If he played on this, maybe it'd be... Portnoy? Mark Portnoy? It's a Mike, def- like, right? Mike Mangini. Yeah. And Mike Portnoy. Are these two drummers? Get Portnoy or Eric Mangini, whoever. Get him on this record. And... <laughs> <laughs> Manginius. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, it just doesn't connect with me. This band just doesn't connect with me for whatever reason. Uh, obviously. And um, I it's not. I don't think that they're a bad band and they don't have some good tunes. It just doesn't stick. The whole album as a whole, they just it doesn't work for it. If there was a, a best of, then maybe pulled like two or three songs off of each, rec- each record, I'd probably be down with that. You know, that would work for me. But as, on the whole, no, it doesn't. By the so, way, uh, Hollywood Records is still a thing. Oh, it is. It's um, it's Queen. Okay. And then mostly what it looks like, um, really awful pop music, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like people that were on you know talent shows. Justin Guarini. Maddie Poppy and Lane Hardy and Demi Lovato and whoa, Demi Lovato is like a legit artist. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. And uh, actually, ZZ Ward is the only person on here I know. I know that I've listened to their music. But yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't a, want the Demi Lovato a, people to come after us. That's a that's a mean crew. <laughs> it's like Swifties out there. You don't want to mess with them. She's uh, she's a, a legitimate artist. Well, I think because she was a she was in like the Mickey Mouse stuff. Mm-hmm. That's probably why she's on there. Didn't Hollywood do a bunch of soundtracks too? Isn't that their thing? Maybe. You would think that you know a label like this would have some sense of some page on their website about like what their history is, but they yeah, do not. History's for losers, Jay. It's only what's out now is what matters. We don't need a history. Hey, if if you're a listener and you want to suggest an album, go to digmeoutpodcast.com. That's how you get a record into our poll that Jay and I can argue about. If you want to pick one that we, you know, uh, the second whatever record from some band that... Actually, there's a bunch of bands from the first year that we did one record, you know, back then. But there are plenty of other records in that catalog to choose from. So yeah, if you want to, you want to hear a struggle... To listen to an old episode and how badly it's recorded, uh, feel free to do that. There, there's a uh, artist on here whose name is spelled like Morgan, but the A is replaced with an X. Morgix, Morgan, Like what? <laughs> is that just a placeholder? Like they just didn't have an A on their keyboard? That must be like, I guess the new thing, because we've run out of band names, is just pick a band name and then just change one letter to a random letter to an X or a V. Beatles X. <laughs> well, you'll be the Beatles, but just change the A to a V. There you go. Patreon is where you go to support the podcast. DMOUnion.com. DigMeOutUnion.com. Join the union for as little as two bucks a month. Vote in polls. Comments stuff things all there the box our newsletter every week 
delivered to you via the email system, which is still free. Email is still free. Don't let it. Don't let them take it over. I don't know. I don't know who I'm ranting against there, yeah, but uh, I will do a uh, one minute review. Or Jay will sometimes he he writes stuff and then I I speak it because he doesn't like to talk. Uh, I, I I seriously had every intention of recording my own and I went to do it. I was like, this is really hard. Like, <laughs> I don't want to say any of these words. This is so hard. So I, I so he's the puppet master and he writes the words and then I I read them occasionally. Uh, that's where you go to stay up to date on eighties and nineties album releases you know relevant artists to us to you we also have added books and movies new additions to there uh to that now of course there's gonna be less book reviews because i'm a slow reader and jay can't read so (laughs) you're not a slow reader i am it takes me a while i've been reading a book now for like two months and it's only like 300 pages I do well wow. with those with those thirty three and third books because they're a hundred pages and I I can rip through them real fast. So I only usually get through twelve books a year. That's like one a month. But it's because I nail you know I, I rip through like three of those thirty three and a thirds in a week. So I'm cheating the system. Uh, so box newsletter. That's where you go. Movies, books, albums, all relevant to eighties and nineties interests that are coming out now. You know, we focus on the bands we talk about here. Yep, exactly. Or best we can. And then, if you like what you heard, Apple Podcasts, please go there. Leave a positive review. We would greatly appreciate it. We are rising in the charts uh, in Sweden, and we would love for you to help us conquer the Swedish charts. America, what are you going to do? It's dominated by EDM podcasts, but yeah. we can do our best in Scandinavia. Australia, New Zealand, Germany, UK. Yep. There's a whole world out there. There is. So, for JM Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Dig Me Out.